This is the Tanakh Podcast. Today, Malachim Aleph, Chapter 13. Yesterday we saw the revolution of Yeravam and the ten tribes seceding to create their own country up north, leaving Yehuda and Binyamin in the south. And now um, Yeravam builds Shechem in Har Ephraim as his capital city and eventually moves his capital to Penuel. But Yeravam says, the nation is a religious one. There is no separation between religion and state. And therefore, if uh, people will go for Ali al Regel, people will need to go visit the temple. And of course, who is going to preside there, especially on festive occasions? The king of Judah, Rechavam. Then I'm going to be discredited. And in a very short time, uh, people are going to see Yehuda as the only legitimate um, mamlacha, the only legis- legitimate state, and I'm going to be discredited. What am I going to do? I need to have, I need to stop people going to Jerusalem, and I need to have a religious center. And therefore, what does he do? Lovely. He also takes advice, and he makes two golden calves, and he says, You don't need to go to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up from Egypt. And he put one in Beit El and another in Dan. And this was a great sin. In fact, we find five specific religious changes that he makes. The first being the shrines at Dan and Beit El. We'll talk about those places in a minute. Number two, the golden calves. Number three, he allows, um, he disenfranchises the kuhuna. Anyone can be a priest. Number four, he changes the date of Sukkot, so it would seem, and he makes a chag on he pushes off Sukkot for a month and makes it in the month, the eighth month, the month of Cheshvan. We'll talk about that too. And the king himself functions as a priest, performing the sacrificial service. As we see here, Yerobam <clears throat> himself acts as a priest. What is he up to here? And what are these golden cars? Isn't golden cars a bad thing? So what I want to argue is that, in fact, uh, Yeravam does something very sophisticated. He rereads history. Um, let's talk about Dun and Beit El. Beit El, we know, has a very, very extensive history. We remember the, the dream of, first of all, it's called Beit El, House of God. Yaakov's dream, we remember, he wakes up in the morning and says, Ma noraha makomazeh. This is the house of God. This is the portal to the heavens. He saw a, a dream of a, of a ladder going from heaven to earth with its foot at Beit El. Dan as well. Dan all the way up north near Kiryat Shimone today. Um, Dan was a sacrificial site throughout Bayit Rishon. If you remember the story of Pesel Micha, 
there was a shrine, a Jewish shrine, admittedly not the Mishkan, standing there for hundreds of years in parallel to the Mishkan, which wasn't that far from Beit El. And these two places are on the northern border and the southern border. Border. It's clear that Yeravam turns to the people and says, Whoever said that Jerusalem was sacred? David? Solomon? Those Judean kings? Let's remember that the temple has, hasn't been up for, it's been standing for 30 years. So David and Shlomo created their temple. I'm a new king. I'll create my temple. This wasn't such a travesty. This wasn't breaking norms. The temple's only been standing 30 years. And he says, our temples are in even more fundamental places. Look, this is in our tribe. This is the real gateway to heaven. Dan has been a shrine in the north for hundreds of years. What are the golden calves? Well, once again, it's really interesting that if you look at the story of the golden calf, it happens when there is a vacuum of leadership. And the person who actually constructs the golden calf is Aharon. And after the golden calf, what job does Aaron get? That he is the high priest. I'm sure that the way that Yeravam spun it, he told everybody that it wasn't so bad at all. In fact, if you look at what Yeravam calls his children, he calls them Nadav and Aviyah. If you call your children Nadav and Aviyah and you make golden calves and you say, the same line which was said um, at the golden calf, what you're really giving is a hechsher to the golden calf. And what we might say is this. We, we mentioned in our last class that Yeravam is somebody who represents the people. He represented the people against the aristocracy of Shlomo. He refused when he was the tax collector for Ephraim and Menashe to pay taxes, which would fund the king's bombastic um, palaces. Later, he represented the people against uh, Rehavam. And now what he's essentially doing is demo democratizing religion. We don't need one single capital. We've got a calf in the north, a calf in the south, and we might even say that like God exists between the cherubs, between the Kruvim, we have a shrine in the north, a shrine in the south, and God fills the entire land. We don't need a priestly class, the tribe of Levi. Everybody can be a Kohen. And we are going to, we, we, when we don't have a leader like Moses, what do we do? We allow everybody to engage in this, in this ritual. This is what we call syncretism, um, serving Hashem through illicit means. And there's a huge debate. The Radak, the Kuzari, Rabbi Huda Halevi, they all point out that this wasn't quite idolatry. This is um, serving God through problematic means, through images and icons, um, not having a single place. The Torah tells us in Devarim chapter 12 that we have to have a single location for Hamakom Hashem. The worry was always that multiple locations will mean multiple gods. And uh, that's the big worry of the Torah. And therefore, this, as we read, was a chatat. If you look at the end of chapter 13, our chapter of the day, in the long term, this is what caused the exile of the north. And here I step into chapter 13, our chapter of the day. 
where um, an Ishtar Elohim, a prophet from Judah, comes and condemns Yeravam's new altar and his whole religious setup in unequivocal terms. And he makes all sorts of miracles, um, which damage both the um, altar and also freezes Yeravam's hand till he has to request that his hand be restored to him. In fact, the, the key word of this uh, chapter, repeated I think 15 times, is the word of return, batashav. Um, the question being, of course, can you return? Can you return, retract your hands? Can you re return on the road that you have gone on? And of course, the chapter ends with the fact that achar hadvavar hazeh lo shav yeravami Yeravam is called to retract, to return, but he doesn't. Now, what's happening in this? Uh, we meet this prophet who comes from Bethel, but then we meet another prophet who is an Ish Zakein, a Navi Echad Zakein, Yosheba Bethel. Rashi says that this Navi Zakein is in fact a Navi Sheker. He's a false prophet. The reason why Rashi says this is because the Navi Zakein, Bebet El, deliberately misleads the Ish Elohim from Yehuda, the, the younger prophet, and brings about his death. So you might say that this man is an evil man, and that he is deliberately there to sabotage the true prophet of God who comes from Yehuda. But I would like to suggest a different approach. It's an approach that I heard from Rav Yol bin Nun. Rav Yol says that this Navi Zakein Bibet El is in fact indeed a Navi, a true Navi. In fact, he does get prophecy in the end of the chapter. But he's very confused. On the one hand, he knows that Yeravam has been designated by God, by a prophet, by Achiyah Shiloni, Achiyah from Shiloh. Jeroboam has been chosen by God to split the kingdom and to bring uh, the punishment on the house of Solomon. So Yeravam is authenticated and is backed by God. On the other hand, Yeravam is making all these religious changes, which seems so deeply problematic. So is Yeravam okay? Or is Yeravam not okay? What's the story? And that sense of confusion leads the Navi Zakein to, to sort of test and to um, put challenges in front of the Ish Elohim to try and discover whether he is authentic. And as a result of this, he does bring about the death of the Ish Elohim because the Ish Elohim contravenes his own words. But the point here is that the atmosphere we get here, <laughs> the atmosphere when you read the chapter is one of confusion. And it reflects the confusion in the nation. Is Yeravam legitimate? If Yeravam's been sent by God, then maybe everything he's done is fine. On the other hand, Yeravam has been chosen by God, but has chosen to be, depart for a more problema problematic direction. And this is really a very important message. Sometimes somebody can be designated by God that doesn't give carte blanche, that doesn't give an insurance policy that everything they do is correct. And in this case, Yeravam was indeed selected by God. However, he has taken a very deeply problematic turn, which will affect the North for the rest of time. Thank you for listening. See you tomorrow.